And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with PressBox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And good morning and happy Saturday to you. Happy Preakness Saturday here in Baltimore. I am not Stan the Fan, nor am I Craig Heist. I'm uh, incredibly better looking than both of them. Average, anyway. I'm Glenn Clark, of course, and I am in for the boys this morning. Ryan McGettigan is alongside me. Um, We got a lot to do between now and noon. And don't worry if you're a fan of those guys. First of all, what are you doing with your life? Second of all, no, I'm kidding. I like those guys. Uh, We will chat with both of them a little bit later on in the show. Also coming up a little bit later on today, Todd Karpovich, beat writer covering the Baltimore Orioles for PressBox, will join us. And later on in the program, Darren Sutton, who's one of my favorite people. Of course, you know his Hall of Fame father, Don. But more importantly for what we're doing, he works for both Perfect Game as well as for the Pac-12 Network. So we're going to check in with him about the Orioles' options with the number one pick including a couple of Pac-12 guys, Oregon State's Adley Rutschman, who everyone has assumed all along that the Birds would take with the number one pick. He is the consensus number one guy in the draft. However, there has been more and more conversation regarding the possibility that the Orioles could perhaps go under slot with that first pick, instead take someone like Andrew Vaughn from Cal, the first baseman, and try to save the money with that first pick to then spend and acquire a few more players during the course of the draft. The comparison has been made to the year that the Astros took Carlos Correa number one overall, which, by the way, has worked out pretty okay for them, despite the fact that he was not the consensus number one pick in that draft. And yet they used the money that they saved on Carlos Correa to go get a couple more players. Lance McCullers, who's been very helpful for them, clearly, in their uh, historic run. And also the other one, ironically, being Rio Ruiz, which didn't pan out quite as well for them. But they were able to get him, and now uh, he came with Mike Elias to Baltimore. So um, the possibility the Orioles could do something like that, I don't know what the right answer is. We'll actually ask Stan and Craig their thoughts about the same question a little bit later on in the show, but we'll talk to Darren Sutton about that, about those guys, and maybe some of the other options for the Orioles early in the draft, including Bobby Witt, as he also does the work for Perfect Game. And then we'll wrap up today's show by hearing from David Cohn. I had the opportunity to catch up with the five-time World Series winner. Uh, A little bit earlier on this week, he has a new book out called Full Count, The Education of a Pitcher. So we'll hear from, yes, the former Yankee Um, but uh, a man who's accomplished all sorts of things in the game of baseball, including pitching a perfect game, and I will uh, force him. I guess I already told you the interview already happened, so I did force him to admit to the role that Jeffrey Mayer played in the success of his career, and it still bothers me to this day all these years later. So that is what's coming up today on the bat around. How about, uh, by the way, Ryan, I don't know your story. Uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan, you're a student at Towson, correct? Correct. Give me your, like, are you, you're from here originally? No, actually, I'm from outside of Philadelphia. Okay. Um, I'm from Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. I don't know what that means. That's about 45 minutes outside of the city. Okay. All right. What, like, what town? What's the name of the town? Lansdale. 
I n- never heard of it. All right. Um, so I'm guessing that means that you're a Phillies fan. Yes. Okay. Yes, well, sir. well, you know, it's okay. I, you probably have other redeeming qualities, I'm sure. The Orioles are my AL team. Why? So. When now? When did that come along? I guess because I guess when I first started living here at Towson, um, the Orioles became my AL team. You know, I I always just was fascinated with them. All right, fair enough. I'll deal with that. I'll deal with that. But you're not, like, invested the way that other people. You're like, oh, I'll root for them because I'm here. Yeah, might as well. All right. I, got, I actually was in Philly last night for an event, and I happened to drive by uh, the stadium, and I, I like, I, I, there's this, always this weird bit that you do. Like, I'm, I'm a rube. I really am the rubiest of all rubes because, like, obviously there's a baseball game being played at a stadium. It's a baseball stadium, right? But yet you're still doing the bit where you're like peering in as if you're going. I'm from like from the highway because obviously you can see the stadiums in Philadelphia from the highway. And I'm doing the bit where I'm like trying to look into the stadium to see the effing scoreboard from the highway as if I couldn't just pull up on my phone and find out what was going on in the game. But I am still such a hack and such a rube. And remember what it's like to be 12 years old. Oh, it's okay. That I, I still do like that. I'm staring into the stadium and forgetting that, by the way, I'm supposed to be driving a vehicle. Yeah, every um, time every time I'm driving to New Jersey, I do that all the time. It's very dumb. Very, very dumb. Very, very dumb. Surprised I haven't been caught Are, by the police. What do you think about, by the way, Phillies fans booing Bryce Harper? I am not of the mindset of booing Bryce Harper. Listen, I think he's done already so much for the city, bringing in you know so many ticket revenues for that team, um, just inspiring confidence in the Phillies again. So I'm not of the mindset of booing him. He's you know the greats always figure figure it out. I at, tend to agree with that at one point or another. So he's eventually he's gonna he's gonna get it done for this city and. You know, we're going to play meaningful baseball in September. Uh, that's probably the case, unlike around here, where we're not going to be playing uh, particularly any meaningful baseball. Um, well, uh, Ryan, I, I'm glad that you're around. Um, you're, uh, Ryan, of course, took over as uh, Brittany moved on to a real job, uh, like, bye a, bye, like, a, like a big girl job she got around here. And so uh, Ryan's been taking over on the bat around. Hey, we're just talking about the Orioles' options for the number one pick this month on the cover of the new print edition of Press Box, you see that the uh, cover story is all about the Orioles' options with the number one pick. Our own Luke Jackson wrote this month's cover story, going over not just their options for the number one pick and what they might do, but also the significance of the Orioles drafting number one overall for just the second time in franchise history, and this time it happening to come at a point where the Orioles are at the beginning stages of a rebuilding process. And the biggest thing that continues to jump out at me is that this is a situation in which the Orioles are going to draft a player who will immediately become, frankly, the face of the franchise. And that is unheard of in baseball. This never occurs this way. It uh, happens all the time in sports like football. Like right now, Kyler Murray is absolutely the face of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I think some people would argue Dwayne Haskins immediately on day one becomes the face of the Washington Redskins. It's going to take some time. What do you mean? For Haskins? Well, I'm not saying whether or not he's going to be great. I'm just saying that immediately on day one, he's the guy. Oh, no question. He's the face of the franchise. This is a – it's his team now, and he's a local kid, and so that plays a lot into it as well. Um, so he's a little bit more interesting than some other guys. And I'm not, I have no idea how good Dwayne Haskins – I couldn't tell you anything about that. But the point being, like, this happens in other sports. In other sports, there are plenty of times, um, you know, if the Pelicans trade Anthony Davis – and draft Zion Williamson number one overall, Zion Williamson is the face of the New Orleans Pelicans. And that doesn't mean, it's not like by being the face of a team. It's, it's just a title that we give people. It's not actually relevant. 
Um, but it's something that never occurs in baseball because in baseball, it we've seen guys that have been drafted and gotten to the big leagues within a couple of months. Like we've seen that before. It's very rare still, but you never have anyone who gets drafted and goes right to the big league club like the next day. So it's absurd to make somebody the face of a franchise that's not even on the team. But yet, as much as we all like Trey Mancini, as much as he's sort of been the guy, he is the focal point of the Orioles organization right now, that changes when this person, whoever it is, and again, I encourage you to get to your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations where PressBox can be found, or visit PressBoxOnline.com, and you can read the entire PressBox print edition today, including Luke Jackson's story about the number one pick. And the day that this guy arrives, if it's Adley Rutschman, it's Adley Rutschman, He's the guy. He's who all Oriole fans are looking to for hope. He's the guy that, as a, as a collective fan base, we immediately say our belief in the Orioles being able to figure this thing out and go through a rebuild process, a la what they just did in Philadelphia a few, in the last few years, is this guy. Because we don't know if Trey Mancini is going to be around. We have no idea if Trey Mancini is going to be around a month from now. We don't know if anybody else is going to be around. We couldn't tell you who's going to be a part of this thing when it finally comes to fruition. But if it's going to come to fruition, it's going to have to include this guy that goes number one in the draft. And the scary part is that there is no certainty that the number one pick is going to pan out. There have been plenty of number one picks in the baseball draft that haven't panned out. And I get the comparable being that the basketball draft and the football draft also produce number one picks that don't pan out. That's true. But the baseball draft is more of a crapshoot overall than either of those drafts are. The Astros had three number one picks while they were going through their rebuilding process. The one, the rebuilding process that clearly we're trying to model ourselves after here in Baltimore. Mike Elias is the GM. Sig Meidel is the assistant general manager. They both come from the Astros. We're looking directly at the Astros. What did they do in order to turn this thing around and go from being the laughing stock of baseball to becoming one of the best franchises in the sport? We're trying to model what happens in Baltimore directly after what happens in Houston. They had three number one overall picks. Ryan, do you know how many of those three number one overall picks panned out? I could not tell you. One. It's the one we named earlier. That's it. The only one that actually panned out was Carlos Correa. The other two, one didn't even sign. The other, uh, Aiken went through injuries um, and ended up, I think he's in the Cleveland organization now. One. One of three was a hit. Now, the one they didn't sign was Appel, and they ended up getting the number two pick uh, as compensation the following year, and that turned into Alex Bregman, and he's panned out quite nicely. But of the three number one picks they've had, the only one that has worked out for them is Carlos Correa. So this guy, we wrote a cover story. We gave a cover of the magazine. Not really to the guy. As you can see, there's no face on there. It's just about the story. But this guy that we're talking about that is so important that we've dedicated a magazine to, by the way, the draft coming up in just a few weeks, June 3rd, this guy might not even pan out. And the odds, based on the Astros' three picks, are that he won't. But yet, that's how important this pick is to this franchise. 
because as a collective fan base, we're looking for something. Take me back five years ago to being a Phillies fan, Ryan. Take me back five years ago. There's no um, Jake Arrieta. There's no Bryce Harper. Aaron Nola isn't Aaron Nola yet. Like, you know, I know that he was thought of as a prospect, but he was not necessarily supposed to be this guy. He wasn't necessarily supposed to be the, you know, the best pitcher, even an ace at the major league level. Where was your hope five years ago? Oh, there Who were you pining for? Yeah, there, there was none. There wasn't. It was like watching paint dry, you know, on the, on the field. Aaron Nola was, yeah, to your point, supposed to be good, but he wasn't supposed to be at the level that he is now. Correct. And He's, this guy, this Cy Young caliber guy, this one of the best pitchers in all of baseball guy, this was not what you were expecting from that you weren't five years ago saying we know we're going to be good again because we've got Aaron Nola your thought was well we hope that Aaron Nola becomes part of the solution you know like I hope that he pans out but this was not a we have great faith in what's happening here because we've got Aaron Nola where was your faith five years ago I I guess in great Sixers fashion you know Trust the process. process. You're trusting the process. And that has a lot to do with where we are as Orioles fans. There's no question about that. We're dealing with a lot of the same things. Um, It's the trust the process. It's the we genuinely don't know. We we have no idea. It's what we call it walk with Elias here, right? Like, we have no idea if any of these guys currently in the organization are going to be a part of this. There's guys that we like, right? Like, everybody likes Trey Mancini, but the truth is... In five years, he'll be 32. The reality is probably that he'll have better trade value for the Orioles than trying to keep him around long term. We like um, you know, guys that are coming up, like Ryan Mountcastle's been ripping the cover off the ball. But Ryan Mountcastle's been a player without a position the entire time he's been in the Orioles organization who is probably going to have to be a first baseman. But like your cornerstone first baseman is supposed to be a guy that can hit 35 home runs and is going to be, you know, a Joey Votto type. If you're going to have your cornerstone player be a first baseman, it better be a Paul Goldschmidt or a Joey Votto who's so good at everything, who is a great hitter, a great power hitter, a great defensive first baseman, all of those things. And nobody really thinks that Ryan Mountcastle's that guy. We think he's a nice player, but nobody thinks he's that guy. Although Andrew Vaughn, one of the options for the Orioles, perhaps the number one pick, could be. Um, you know, we like uh, some of the pitchers that are coming through the system, certainly at the lower levels. We like Grayson Rodriguez, the team's number one pick from uh, uh, a year ago. We like D.L. Hall, the number one pick from two years ago. We like what we've seen from Blaine Knight, but they're at such low levels that it's really hard to figure out if they're even legit prospects. And even a Zach Lowther, who's pitched really well at A, we say, okay, well, the scouts didn't think of him as being a rock star. Maybe that they all kind of missed, and he turns out to be a rock star. But that wasn't the way that he was thought of. So we have no idea if anything that exists in the Orioles system is truly going to pan out to be absolute rock star, which is why this guy, again, that we wrote about for this month's Press Box, and go pick it up right now, that's why this guy is so bloody important to this franchise and immediately becomes the guy. We are going to start checking box scores every night once this guy arrives. If if it's Adley Rutschman and he gets assigned to Aberdeen this summer, we are going to be flocking to Ripken Stadium to go see that guy play. We are going to be flocking because we are going to be obsessed with this person because this is the player that represents our hope as a fan base. 
because our hope sure as hell isn't at the major league level right now. Look, Dylan Bundy had a decent start last night. You pray that that's uh, representative of him being able to figure his ERA is under five. Hey, you hope that that's that's what's coming there, that Dylan Bundy can go back to being some facsimile of what we saw from Dylan Bundy, say, a year ago. You hope that there are other things that are worth watching about the Baltimore Orioles in the coming years, but at the moment, they don't appear to exist, and so this is what we've got. And it's going to set up a fascinating... We've never felt anything like this before. We've never been this obsessed over a draft pick. And again, the Orioles haven't had the number one overall pick since 1989. Obviously, that turned out to be Ben McDonald. And Ben McDonald arrived with significant hoopla. He was much ballyhooed when he arrived because of his success in the Olympics, because of you know being the top amateur in all of baseball. There was great anticipation for Ben McDonald, but he arrived at a far different time. He arrived when there was something happening at the major league level. He arrived in one of the more memorable seasons in Orioles history. This is far different than that when this guy arrives here in a couple weeks. He's arriving and not likely to arrive at the major league level quite as quickly as Ben McDonald did, although uh, particularly Adley Rutschman, the story is that he could be a major league player f- you know, far sooner than the majority of guys that you might have considered at number one. Um, he's going to be arriving at a time in the franchise where there's not much going on, and all eyeballs are on this guy, the face of the franchise, the moment the draft occurs. This is the Bat Around. I am Glenn Clark, in for Stan the Fan and Craig Heist on a Saturday morning. Joining us now, he is our Orioles beat writer for Press Box. He's our buddy Todd Karpovich, and he is with us here on the Bat Around. Todd, it's Glenn. It's good to talk to you again this week, sir. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Hey, Glenn. How's it going? What are us? Standing in Heisty, a party at the Preakness this morning? You know what? I Honestly, I you know, I'll give Heist a pass. For, actually, I think i got to give both of them a pass. I think Stan's helping out with his wife today, and oh, okay. and Heisty had a long night at uh, the ballpark with the Nats last night. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like, Heisty gave me the call at 9 a.m. today. He's like, hey, man, uh... I was at the park until about. I said, "Heist, I got it. Don't worry about it, bud. Don't worry about it. I understand." Yeah. Uh, Cubs uh, took it to him, guys. Fourteen and six. Yeah. Well, you know, and the, you know the cool thing too. And I'm going to talk to Heisty about this. When you go to the ballpark every night, and you know all about this because you're at the ballpark every night, you go through a lot of nights where it's just sort of like a drag. Nothing really happens, right? Like it's just a baseball game and nothing else. When you go and you end up having a thing like last night where Chris Bryant hits a home run in three consecutive innings. I, yeah. I, I know this was like the concept of Tim Kirchner's last book, which is these neat things that if you've got to be there every night, you might as well see something that you don't get to see every day. So Yeah, and with, with baseball, it's such an old sport. you got to go through the record book to figure out when's the last time it happened. Right. Because it probably did happen. Oh, it's yeah, definitely. And, I, and, before. and we saw that, that it happened before. But, no, I mean, it's, it's a neat thing if you've got to be at the ballpark in order to see it. All right, Todd, before yeah. we get to uh, some of the goings-on from this week, I let in talking about our new print edition of Press Box. Um, the cover story that Luke Jackson wrote is all about the number one pick. And this – this bizarre scenario that we're in, which never happens in baseball, right? Like, as I brought up, it happens sometimes in football, with like Kyler Murray right now. It happens sometimes in basketball. But you never see a number one pick in baseball immediately enter in sort of as the face of a franchise because they don't, they're not on the major league level when they enter into a franchise. But yet, right. given the circumstances of where the Orioles find themselves, this pick is so unbelievably significant 
that this guy is going to be the most discussed Baltimore Oriole, despite the fact that they're not going to be a Baltimore Oriole on day one, until Lord knows when. That's how important this pick is. And it turns out it turned out a pretty good time to be bad because that Oregon State catcher, Amby uh, Rushman, I mean, he, he's supposed to be the real deal. I mean, Jesus, Wes, there's a lot of hype surrounding this kid. He comes to Baltimore. <laughs> that hard receiver is going to grow. I mean, he, he's almost, you know, he, he's, not, he's not far from being ready from being a major league player. So it's, 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 it's going to, you know, like you said, I mean, you 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 referencing Ben McDonald earlier. It's sort of the same deal, but yeah, yeah this uh this number one pick, it's this guy whoever he is, is going to have uh, a lot of weight on his shoulders because the Orioles fans are going to view him as sort of being the savior of the franchise, and fair or not fair. But yeah, you're right. I mean, right. Be... <laughs> no, and it's important that you bring that up, Ty, because as I said, the, the Astros and we're all modeling what the Orioles are doing after the Astros, clearly because of Mike Elias. They had three number one overall picks. Only one of them panned out in Carlos Correa so it is as much as we all love Adley Rutschman as all we all think that he's he's the guy and he's can't miss and all of those things the attention that's going to be put on this guy is not really fair yet because the truth is that even the number one pick in the baseball draft is still a crapshoot in general way more than it is in football or in basketball yeah I agree I remember when I was talking Machado he was sort of there was sort of a lot of hype around him, but it wasn't like to this degree, you know, right. because they were like, we're going to give him time. When Machado came up, though, it was very exciting because he, he started to contribute almost immediately. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, this isn't football. This isn't, you know, they, they, there was you know, a four-year running back coming out of, you know, uh, Alabama that's going to come in to make an immediate impact. These guys need time. But I tell you what, this number one pick, uh, uh, Bowie and Norfolk are going to love the – Love well, to see who they get. Well, ballparks down there. No doubt, and obviously, I'm sure the folks in Aberdeen are hoping that that's where they get assigned for the rest of this season to begin. Um, uh, uh, Todd, real quick, just one more thought on the draft, and we'll talk about the Orioles this week. There have been some rumblings this week about the possibility the Birds could choose to go under slot with the first pick. Um, that they could instead do what the Astros did with Carlos Correa, and obviously, it's turned out quite well with Carlos Correa. But he was not the consensus number one guy that year. They were a, they decided to draft him because they could save some money on him, and then they used some of that money to go get Lance McCullers, some other guys that would have otherwise gone to college, and instead they drafted them and talked them into playing baseball because they had more money that they had saved. The Orioles are a franchise that needs not just one player. They need a lot as they try to build this thing right now. But they also need a, a centerpiece. They need a face of the franchise type. What do you make of the thought that instead of taking uh, Adley Rutschman, the guy that we all think is the guy, they would take maybe a lesser guy, number one overall, and then try to get two other players, perhaps, with the money that they save at the number one spots? Well, I'll tell you, um, I think that would be more on the table. Rutschman's not a, he's not a Boris client, which is a, bit, which is a big thing. In fact, I think the top three guys that might go aren't represented by Scott Boris. So the Orioles, I think, you know, they don't have a great history with him. Um, uh, the Orioles, I think, if they make this pick, they think they'll have an opportunity to sign and, um, and develop this guy. And this kid, I mean, from all accounts, he's a special type of player. So, like, I mean, I would not be – Michael Elias, I mean, obviously he was with Houston. You know, he, I'm sure that's on the table with him doing that here. But, again, you know, when you, when you see – and I hate to say it, jinx the kid saying it's such a slam-dunk pick um, because of what the, you know, the splits are and the, and the analytics are on him. But 
you know, this I think I think they're gonna I think they're gonna go with the best player this time around. You know, right. and if I tell you what, the Orioles aren't um, they ain't win the World Series next year either. You know what right, I mean? correct, so correct. They're, they're they, going to have a draft pick again, and maybe, maybe, maybe next year with the softer draft, they think about you know trying to trying to move down and, and pick up some more pieces. All right, he is Todd Karpovich, press box Orioles beat writer, and he's with us here on the bat around. Uh, so Todd Dylan Bundy solved right. Everything is good now. He had a uh, five and two thirds innings last night. It's his, his ERA is under five. Everything's fixed, right, with Dylan Bundy. And he didn't give up the home run. That's that's also correct. Also correct. Yeah. You got to take the positives where we can get them, man. Yeah, and you know what? You know, he's got to start showing some consistency. Um, I think he he's a gamer. You know, I, you know, at the end of the day, and you know, but now, now he's got to show us. You know, he's, he's you know he hasn't had a great season. He picked up his second win. He's two and five. His ERA is four point six six, which in this rotation is pretty good. Um, but yeah, we need to see some consistency from him moving forward. And you know, um, the thing is, you know, when the Orioles traded Gosman last year, you know, there's a lot of talk: is are they going to do the same thing with Bundy? You know, and if they do that, then you got to start looking internally in this. And are they are they failing their pitchers by not developing them? You know, I mean, they're giving up on and Gosman by all by all accounts is pretty, you know, pretty good in Atlanta. Um, so you know, the, the, ideally. Bunny starts finding some consistency and starts, you know, trying to, you know, help the top end of that rotation. I, I don't, you know, the. Th- at this point, you'd probably be trading Dylan Bundy for pennies on the dollar, right? Like as yeah. I, and this is the weird part. I, I it's a funny thing that I'm going through. I Todd, you and I talked the other day. I am in favor of trading, right? Like yeah. I, I just yeah. think you're as you just referenced. You're that far away that I'm just not certain that there's any piece that you can feel with any confidence is going to be around when this thing finally comes to fruition. So I'm in favor mm-hmm. of dealing when you can deal. But I, I I think you try to deal from strength. And a year ago, you're dealing Kevin Gosman. You were essentially saying we're giving up on him. You just mm-hmm. didn't get much in the way back for Kevin Gosman. There was a team that was willing to take a chance on him in the Braves because they thought they could fix him. They were willing to give you something. And you kind of just said, you know, it's not working here. We'll let somebody else have a shot and we'll take what we can get for him. If you were to trade Dylan Bundy this year, you'd be doing the same thing. And oddly, as much as I'm in favor of making trades and getting what you can, I I, I can't help but remember what Dylan Bundy looked like at the beginning of last year and feel like you're you still have a chance to get him back to looking like that guy and maybe able to get significantly more in a trade. I'm not quite as inclined to just give up on Dylan Bundy right now. Yeah, I think Michael Lyons would agree with you. You know, they're just not going to that's not going to trade guys for He's not a salary dump. He's not making a whole lot of money, you know. So, yeah, I think they'd be, you know, they're going to – and you know, he's, he's still a younger guy. There's still time that he can develop. But, yeah, I agree with you. They're not just going to trade him away just for the sake of, you know, getting bodies, you know. And then uh, you know, I read an interesting story this week in the New York Post about how um, valuable the cash would be for somebody's bullpen. Sure, but, sure, right. You know, which, and if that's the case, you might be able to get back a decent prospect. They got to trade Castro. He's in the last year of his deal. It's Correct. Just a matter of Correct. That's that's yeah. obvi- that's one that you'll obviously have to do. The other ones, you know, we talked about Trey Mancini the other day. You know, I'm listening. I'm listening in on everybody. Anyway. And yeah. and the notion, like as I keep saying to people, because I think a lot of people would say, yeah, when you make the deal, you get bowled over. Well, I don't know what you mean by bowled over, because like Trey Mancini, as much as we all like him. He's not a guy that's getting you like multiple top 100 prospects in a trade. He's a no. he's a nice player, but he's not really a you know a high level outfielder. He's done an, a, you know certainly an admirable job 
of playing in the outfield considering he's not an outfielder, but he's not a high-level outfielder. And, and a first baseman, you know, he can play the position just fine, but first basemen are supposed to be Joey Votto and Paul Goldschmidt. Like if you're, yeah, he stands out with this team because of what they, what they have. Exactly right. And, again, because he's a great guy, because he's, you know, taking on leadership. There's, there's so much that we like about Trey Mancini that makes him more valuable to us in our hearts than actually valuable to another Major League Baseball team that's trying to find a piece that puts them over the top to win this season. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I think I think the the the, the local value and the way we see him is not the same as what the you know some of the scouts are saying from other clubs. Yeah. But again, like you said, if there's a good offer on the table, you really oh, I, and that's when I say all these things, I'm not saying like I'm I'm pointing out if your argument is you have to be bowled over, I'm just saying you need you need context there. You need to keep that in perspective. I I think if you can get you know, a, a couple of prospects, you know, some projectable guys for Trey Mancini as much as I like Trey. And let me make sure I make that very clear. I like Trey Mancini a lot, but the reality is I just don't think he fits with your timeline and what you're trying to do here. And I would get what you can get to a certain extent. I'm not just giving up on him again for the sake of giving up on him because that's silly. Why would you do that? But if you can get a decent amount, if somebody's willing to offer you you know, some real compensation for Trey Mancini, it's not going to be even probably what you got for Manny Machado, which was disappointing a year ago. Yeah. Um, but I'm still willing to do it because you just need to get stuff that falls in, in with your timeline and when you think you're going to be good again. Yeah, and you, you, can't, wait, you can't wait for his last year on the contract. That's when right. you, lose your, you lose your leverage, which you had with Machado. They, right. knew, they, they knew they had to trade him. Yep, you know? so, yep. correct. Um, yeah, what, what his most a- his best asset at the moment is his uh, service time, right? Like yeah, that exactly, yeah. that he's still under team control for a few more years, and that makes him desirable to a a organization that might want him. Uh, speaking yeah, again, yeah. the other cool thing this year is that you're hoping. I know you wrote uh, for the press box print edition against about some of the young guys, and you might have like found money on your hands with a guy like Dwight Smith Jr., who again has been likable to watch this season. Um, he's a neat story, you know. Obviously, the son of a former Oriole, and it's all well and good. But if there's a team that's willing to look at him and say maybe he can help us for the rest of the season, you absolutely say that's that's stolen money if you can get something for Dwight Smith because there was no world when he arrived in Baltimore that you thought this guy was going to turn out to be somebody that could turn around and fetch you a prospect at the trade deadline. Well, that's exactly right. You know, and the Severino too. You know, if you got Chance Sisko knocking on the door and Severino hitting the ball well, teams could always just catch him. You know, all those all those guys in that story are certainly guys. You know, I think I think they would if if they got you know a decent enough offer, what they would part ways with. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. By the way, you bring up Chance Sisko. Do Do you think the Orioles still believe that he is a catcher at the major league level? I do. I think. Um, I just think they want to see him produce over, you know, 75 games at the AAA level before they bring him up because he had a pretty good spring. Um, but, again, yeah, I mean, what's, there's, some, there's something odd going on there behind closed doors of why, you know, he's, um, you know, and he's starting to hit well in the minors. So, so what, what's blocking him? It'd be interesting what they're, what they're saying in their meetings about what's happening. We will see Chance Sisko, I think, at some point this season. I'm sure that, yeah. I, I mean, we talked the other day about uh, Sisko and Ryan Mountcastle. And Mountcastle's Mountcastle, had, too, yeah. Mountcastle's been great all year, and Sisko's obviously been great for about the last month or so. Um, and I'm not, I get that there's no reason to be in a rush because you're not, you're not winning, right? Like, it's not. Yeah. But I think the other sort of issue that you're dealing with right now with the Orioles is position stuff. And if you bring up Mountcastle, you're bringing him up to play where? Chris Davis is actually productive again and makes 
a billion dollars. You know, Mark yeah, Trump. Sort of block. You, you don't want to trade prospects no matter what. You know, I mean, at this point, I don't think prospects are prospects. You know, I just don't think that's where you want to go. You know, Mark Russell. Yeah, you know, he's sort of blocks. So where, where does he fit in? Uh, I, I think it's a real it's a real issue that they've got to figure out because I just don't think they can what like why would you have had him play so much first base if the answer was well we're going to give third base a try again like I yeah I, it just doesn't seem to make sense to me um, it's so unlikely as much as it's nice that Chris Davis is, has become you know a, a, a decent uh, hitter again it's not like all of a sudden he's got trade value like you're not trading Chris Davis yeah, no, right yeah. nobody's taking that contract. So so what? I mean, Trumbo is supposed to be back at some point too. So, I mean, like, does Mount? I I mean, it, I would think that at this point you would maybe start one to cons. I've you know what answer the answer is for me, Todd. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what you do about that. And it's unfortunate that Trumbo got hurt because if he was productive, he could have been another guy. Right. That they moved. They moved for just you know mid level or low level prospects just because there wasn't any space for him. Where is where is Trumbo going to fit? Where does Trumbo fit in this team? You know, he's not part. Of, he's really not really part of the long term answer. And where do you play him? It, it, why why do you play him? You know, it's just. They got some. They, they, it's going to get more complicated as the season goes. No doubt. I mean, as far as do we do, do, do we do we have a better idea of a timeline for Mark Trumbo? By the way, I sixty days. I think in June, somewhere in June. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And and again, all of this part of maybe we've heard as you bring up with Francisco, we've heard that the, a lot of people within the organization think he's really a first baseman. But my God, you know, if like Mount Castle's a first baseman and you're already struggling yeah. to get him out there, you might just sort of have your hand forced that no matter what you think of him, he's going to have to be a catcher when he gets here because you just have no other options with him. Well, because ideally they want wins and Francisco to platoon, but then Severino's Severino's only 25 years old. You know, so it's like, you know, again, one of those, maybe one of those guys, you know, July is going to be, it's going to be a very active time for the Orioles. That's, that's my prediction. Well, I mean, obviously so. I mean, that's the way it works when you're not competing for anything, right? Like you just got to yeah. figure out what else you're doing. Um, what else do you have your eye on right now, uh, Todd, when it comes to the Orioles on a day-to-day basis? Well, the, bull, the bullpen's got to pitch much better. I mean, the, 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 the pitch staff, they get the highest ERA in the major leagues, um, Bullpen's giving. I mean, the bullpen's giving up the most runs of any bullpen. Um, you know, and the home runs—they're on track for I think it's you know, close to over 40 home runs, which would kill you know the record um, by the by the Reds in 2016 by almost you know 90 home runs. So really, the pitching—they really got to get the pitching together. I mean, that, that's that's really been the been the issue this season. And you know, and so what do they do? You really can't blame Brandon Hyde, you know, for you know some of the struggles with the pitching staff is just that's not. They're not locating. You know, the other day, I mean, Straley's not giving him much at all. I mean, the other day we left to pitch, what, three and a third innings? And then the four, both four relievers, um, Noah Fry, Castro, and Blyer, gave up ten runs and eight hits over four and two-thirds innings. You know, they just they got to find some consistency with the pitching staff. No doubt. No that's got to be key. At Todd Karpovich on Twitter is how you follow him. And, of course, PressBoxOnline.com where you see his stuff and read his piece about the young Orioles in the new print edition of PressBox, which is available right now. Todd, always appreciate it, bud. We'll talk to you real soon, all right? Thanks a lot, Glenn. Have a great weekend. Todd Karpovich. You too. Thank you. PressBox Orioles beat writer checking in with us here on the bat around. Glenn Clark in for Stan and Craig on a Saturday morning. We are in the live casino hotel studio of PressBox. I hope you were able to make it out for Howie Mandel last night at Live Casino Hotel. If you weren't, shame on you, but there's always great events coming up at Live Casino Hotel, including May 31st, Family Feud Live Celebrity Edition. 
With Brian Baumgartner, indeed, Kevin Malone from The Office is going to be at Live Casino Hotel. So is Alonzo Bodden, very funny man from Last Comic Standing. That's May 31st for Family Feud Live, Celebrity Edition. There's an afternoon show, doors open at 1, show at 2, an evening show, doors open at 7, show at 8. So two chances on Friday, May 31st to get out there for Family Feud Live. And the cool part of it is you could end up participating in the show like you might be there to watch you might be there to play family feud with kevin from the office uh no promises that he'll spill his chili on you or anything like that but uh it's a great time to be there livecasinohotel.com in order to get your tickets for a great event on the 31st let's get i want to get a break in before we call heisty if that's all right we're gonna get a break in and then we will call craig heist we'll check in with one of the hosts of the bat around next it is the bat around i'm glenn in for stan and craig here there are two kinds of chicken royal farms world famous chicken and everything else what's the difference royal farms chicken is always fresh never frozen it's hand dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices and cooked on the spot right in the store chicken from anywhere else who knows hungry for some hot and delicious chicken get some royal farms world famous chicken it's one of a kind and don't forget the western fries real fresh real fast royal farms Spend this Memorial Day at Oriole Park and watch the O's take on the Tigers. Be one of the first 20,000 fans ages 21 and over to get a pair of Orioles outdoor pint glasses. Presented by Sam Adams. There's no better place to kick off the summer than the ballpark. Check out the Orioles rooftop bar, where the local brews are flowing all summer long. And for food, Boog's Barbecue has you covered with a brand new look and the same great taste. Let us take care of the grilling while you kick back and enjoy the holiday. Summer starts here, so be part of it all. Visit Orioles.com for tickets. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate at Camden Yards. Slider's Bar and Grill at 504 Washington Boulevard, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for every season. This is the perfect time to book your private party or take the office to lunch. Feeding clients? Take them to Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar, Slider's, for great food and drinks with some local atmosphere. You can book your private event on the second floor or on the outside patio, both overlooking the best stadium in baseball. See all of Slider's daily specials or book your party at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. Visit them today. One third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. As the weather heats up, the menu at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square cools down. Introducing the all-new Frosted Key Lime, a fun twist on one of America's favorite pies. The new treat is a hand-spun combination of Chick-fil-A's signature ice dream, Chick-fil-A lemonade, and natural sugar-free lime flavoring made from a blend of key limes, coffer limes, and Persian limes. Frosted Key Lime gets its green color from a mix of nutrient-rich ingredients. Download the Chick-fil-A app today, place your order, and get points towards free stuff at Our Chick-fil-A, Nottingham Square. Plus, if you order using your app, your food will be ready when you get there. Stop by Chick-fil-A in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center at 5198 Campbell Boulevard and tell Steve we sent you. 
Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. This is former Terp AJ Francis, just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the bottom of our son of Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on on my list. This is your boy Y2AJ here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. Back in here on the bat around Glenn Clark in for Stan and Craig from the Live Casino Hotel studio on a Saturday morning. The Orioles now even up. Uh, where they've both uh, both they and the Indians have won a game in their series this weekend. Today, four o'clock from Cleveland, John Means, the ace, is on the mound. It's such a weird thing to say. Uh, John Means faces Adam Plutko who is making his uh, season debut as he replaces Cody Anderson in the Cleveland rotation. 4-10 first pitch from Cleveland this afternoon. Joining us now, he had a long night in D.C. last night at the ballpark with the Nats, so he said, uh, Glenn, sorry, can't make it in, and I said, I will never forgive you for it. He is, of course, our buddy Craig Heist, one of the hosts of the Bat Around, and he joins us now on his show. Heisty, what's going on, sir? Not much, sir, and I have to apologize because my inner alarm did not go off this morning, and I knew once I got up that it was not going to be easy to get up there in time. So that's why I gave you the call. These things happen, Heisty. I will forgive you. Yeah, Ryan is convinced that it's a personal thing. Yeah, Craig, you're letting me down, man. Yeah, Ryan. Well, you know, uh, you know ever, ever since Brittany left. I, I was afraid. And <laughs> Ryan. Two weeks I've been kind of heartbroken over this. Yeah, Ryan was a little bit afraid that that might be the reality. Is this was yeah. about him. <laughs> this was about him and the fact that Brittany wasn't there on a Saturday morning. All right, so, you know, we were just talking about this theory a second ago. You got you have to go to a ballpark basically every night of your life, right? Like, you're right. at a different baseball stadium almost every right. night forever. And when you're there, there's an awful lot of nights where nothing really happens. Like, I can't even imagine how many baseball games you've attended in your life where, like, the game was played and there's literally zero memorable that occurs. So if you're going to have to be at a ballpark on a Friday night, it's got to be kind of neat to have something like, a guy hitting a home run in three consecutive innings occur? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you think about, <clears throat> pardon me, you think about strange games where you remember the Josh Hamilton four-home run game at Camden Yard sure. to all different parts of the field. You know, that certainly qualifies as memorable. Last night, with what Chris Bryant did, absolutely. I mean, there's no question. Seventh inning, eighth inning, ninth inning, and the co- collective meltdown by the Nationals' bullpen last night was was incredible. I mean, Max Scherzer didn't have his best stuff last night, but he still struck out eight. He walked four, and that's what I mean by not having his best stuff. But, uh, again, he leaves the game after six innings. He's down three to two. Then they're down five-four uh, after 
you know, into the seventh inning, and then all of a sudden it implodes. They get five in the eighth. You know, they wind up getting three more in the ninth. And what was a real close ball game turns out to be a a fourteen to six loss. And you know this bullpen last night, Glenn, nine nine runs on nine hits in three innings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, and the ball was flying out of the ballpark. I, look, you know they have been playing some better baseball this week, and they were getting Trey Turner back. So I know that there was maybe some sort of hope, but. Where are we with uh, with Davey Martinez watch now with the Nationals? Well, and I, and I said this earlier, uh, as, as you well know, uh, having worked at my station down the road, uh, I was on with Grant and Danny this past week, and I told them, he, you know, that I got asked the same question, and I said, I think Dave Martinez is there uh, unless this thing goes completely south, and I'm talking about, you know, double digits under 500, double digits out of the – you know, out of first place in the National League East. Uh, and the reason I say that is because if Davies canned, that means the learners have to admit they made a mistake by not bringing back Dusty after two straight division titles and whatever it was, 94 wins one season, 95 the next, or maybe it's a little higher than that. But I'm just saying they would have had to admit they made a mistake, and I don't think they're ready to do that yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not good. Obviously, you got a lot going on down there, and that is a team that is certainly not living up to expectations. There's no question about that. Hey, see, let's let's come up to Baltimore. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the Orioles. Um, I, look, we all know what the Orioles were getting in for this season. I think the most frustrating thing, and there's on a list of frustrating things, some of the guys that you were hoping could be, you know, part of maybe not the solution long term in Baltimore, but at least the solution now. I, I, what what what's going on with Dylan Bundy is so insane that a year ago we were talking about a guy that was maybe coming into his own as the first ace that we had seen in Baltimore in a long time, and it completely falls apart. And he had a decent start last night. He's gotten his ERA back under five, and I guess we call that progress around here. But the the ups and downs with Dylan Bundy. Can you explain what's going on over the course of the last twelve months? I, I can't and. He swears up and down that he's healthy. They swear up and down that he's healthy. The lack of velocity or the drop in velocity is what is so mystifying to me. And where now, you know, to make that fastball look like it's 94-95, uh, he has to be so pinpoint control with all the rest of his other stuff, you, you know, that it, it makes it difficult. I think that's why you've seen the home runs. I think that's why you've seen the high ERA. Uh, last night it was a little bit better. You know, two starts before that was a lot better. But, again, he was pinpointing his breaking stuff and, you know, strike one with the fastball, that always helps. But you, you'd be hard-pressed to try to figure it out as to what's going on with him uh, because certainly this is the one guy that if he has a good year or if he's pitching to the – capability that we think he's capable of, you know, he may become one of the bigger trade pieces when this team gets to the trade deadline. Somebody would want Dylan Bundy. I'm not so sure anybody wants Dylan Bundy now. Right, right. Well, I'm sure there'd be a team that'd be willing to take him on as like a reclamation project. Oh, sure. But not not to give you something... In return, right. right. You'd be doing with a, like a pennies on the dollar type of situation at this point. Sort of similar to what you did with Kevin Gosman. And that's the weird part, Craig, because we're going to start talking about with every guy. There's not a guy on this team 
that any of us is convinced is definitely going to be here when this whole process comes to fruition, right? Well, like, well I'll tell you what. If John Means keeps pitching the way he's pitching... Okay, so let's talk about that, Heisty. Let's talk... Uh, and... That, that there's a possibility of that. <laughs> now, so this is where you like th- we're in a weird spot because uh, clearly nobody thought John Means was this guy, right? Like nobody. Right. I don't know that John Means thought John Means was this guy. He's been otherworldly through his first six starts, and he makes the seventh today. The question becomes: Is there a chance that this is the guy that just the scouts all missed? Everybody happened to miss on, and is really this good despite not having overwhelming stuff he can be this good and this productive for such a long time that you want to build around him? Or do you say this stretch of six starts might be fool's gold and teams still appear to be willing to trade for starting pitching that they think can help them every season? We need to try to deal this guy as high as we possibly can and knowing nobody's bowling you over for John Means, but like as get as much as we possibly can because the reality is he's probably going to, no pun intended, regress to the mean at some point during the course of this season or next. Well, that's true, but by the same token, you, you want to make sure that the early part of this season is not fool's gold, and the only way that that happens, Glenn, is to keep throwing him out there right now in the role that he's in, which he seems to have adapted to pretty well, and continue to pitch the way he's pitched. And... Like you said, you know, a lot of pitchers will tell you you'll have of 34 starts, between 30 and 34 starts during the year, you'll have six that are really good, six that are really bad, and, you know, you kind of figure it out in between the rest of the way. Well, to me, I think he's got a pretty good handle on what he's doing. So from that standpoint, I mean, is he going to be a big trade chip later on in the year? No, but but nonetheless – for this team in their current situation, and when you know you're going to finish with a losing record, but you're still trying to win ball games and still trying to be competitive and not play like you did in the first game of this series against the Indians, then John Means is a pretty important part of this ball club right now. I understand what you're saying. I, You know, it's just a tough spot for me where I – Everybody has to be considered an asset in my mind because you're just you're not winning. You know what I mean? Like, and you. Have, but now, what that asset is, I'm not saying it's impossible to me, Heisty, that John Means is this guy, right? Like, there have been right. the comparison that everybody will be making this week is Dallas Keuchel with the Astros, right? Like, nobody thought Dallas Keuchel was a best pitcher in baseball type of player, right? Like, he was a guy, and suddenly one day he was among the best pitchers in all of baseball and oddly still unemployed, which go figure that. Which, um, which leads you to wonder why he's still not signed. <laughs> well, and, 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 and that's fair, but I also think in, it has something to do with the fact that scouts around baseball did not look at that guy and say, this is who you're supposed to be. And so the, the, I, I, I don't know. I'm just struggling with this. I'm struggling with whether or not you buy into this guy potentially being really good or you say, look, we've got to make the decision right now that we could get something for him, and if we don't do it today, by the time we come around next year, this guy's completely forgotten about and not really even in our rotation anymore because this truly was just him swimming, you know, away, he was way above his head for the first six or seven starts of his major league career. Well, and, that, and that's what Mike Elias and, and the Brain Trust or, and Sig Dell is, is, is there for, is to figure these kind of things out. And they certainly had, and I heard you earlier talking about Carlos Correa, and I, yep. granted he's not a pitcher, but nonetheless, that same type of thing where, you know, they, they wind up 
getting him, and then all of a sudden, nobody, I, you know, nobody expected, I don't think, any, anything like that from him, but he turns out to be one of the best players on that team. Nope, no question. That is a great point. That is a great point, Heisty. Um, all right, uh, Craig, i got two other things I want to talk to you about real quick. Um, you know, we, we, our, our cover story this month is, by the way, Craig Heist is with us on the batter, and I should mention that. He hosts this show. Um, the, the cover story this month for Pressbox is about the Orioles and the number one pick. There have been a lot of, of rumblings flying around this week that the Orioles could perhaps use that number one pick instead of going and getting Adley Rutschman, the rock star from Oregon that everybody says is the number one guy. They could choose to go under slot a la what they did, you know, what the Astros did with Carlos Correa, which, as we keep saying, worked out unbelievably well for them. Yeah. And use the money that they saved to try to get a couple other guys. The Astros got Lance McCullers and, oddly, Rio Ruiz in that deal. One of those two worked out as well. Right. Um, we also know that this is a franchise that needs a face of the franchise type at the moment, right? Like, you need somebody to give this fan base hope, to pay attention to, to know that something coming. Rutschman would seem to be the guy that could do that. He's a LeBron James type of can't-miss prospect, you know, fire everybody up. What do you make of the value of trying to save money and get a couple of players versus the need to kind of have the guy that your fan base can 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 see as a beacon of hope? Well, this is all about uh, a rebuild, and this is all about trying to make this ball club as strong as it can be going forward. If that means doing what you're suggesting and getting more depth and saving some money without having to fork out a whole bunch for a number one pick that can't miss, that's all well and good for me. And 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 you you mentioned the Carlos Correa situation down in Houston that these guys went through before. I trust what they're trying to do here. I mean, I, for everything that I've seen and heard and listened to, and when I hear these people talk, I think they have a grasp of what they're doing. Now, this you know, there's two ways to look at this. The other part of it is, I've heard other people in in baseball this year say, well, the Orioles have you know, the top pick, they better not miss with it, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. Well, my, my answer to that, though, too, is you, you, you might not miss, but, you know, I, I look at what the, what the Nationals did down the road, Strasburg, uh, Bryce Harper, and, you know, you could certainly argue they didn't miss with them, but did it bring them the ultimate prize? like the Astros got? And the answer to that is no. So I'm, I'm willing to trust the brain trust here of the Orioles to say if it means that we get a couple of other players, and I'm sure the scouting department has, has been given their marching orders in terms of you know, making sure that if we go that route that you're suggesting – that these players are are pretty good and have a legitimate chance of having an impact on this team in sure. some way, shape, or form. Sure. I I, under, I, look, I I know there's not a correct answer to this, Heisty. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, I, and that's what I mean. I don't think there is. You're right. 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 That's where we're at. All right, uh, last one for you. Today happens to be uh, the 82nd birthday of one of Brooks, Mr. Robinson. Brooks Robinson. Yes. Craig Heist, can you give me your favorite, like, personal – Brooks Robinson story from from your life. My favorite personal Brooks Robinson story uh, comes after he's retired, okay? 
in the in the final few years of Memorial Stadium, they held a throwback game between the 66 Orioles and the 66 Senators at Memorial Stadium. Okay. And Brooks is playing third base, and there's a shot hit down the third base line, which Brooks dives toward the foul line, makes the, the normal Brooks Robinson diving catch at the foul line that we were all used to seeing. He gets up on one knee and throws it to Davey Johnson, but he airmailed the throw over Davey's head. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I said to him after the game, I said, talk to me a little bit about that play because it looked like, you know, you, 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 know, you it looked like your old self. And he said, let me tell you something. He said, when I dove for that ball, I was 25. When I got up to throw, I was 50. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty great. <laughs> that is pretty great, man. Uh, but, I mean, you know, growing up, you watch those teams and, you know, four World Series in, in, in six years from 66 to 71, and then, you know, the playoffs again in 73 and 74 and all, you know, it didn't work out in the ALCS against the Oakland Athletics because they were in the middle of their three- or four-year run of dynasty. So with Reggie and that crew, but uh, just to, you know, he's the best third baseman I've ever seen play the game, and I know we had Manny Machado here for a little bit with with all the great physical attributes that he brings to the game, but Brooks had the hands and the reflexes, and I don't think anybody played the position better, and I get a lot of feedback and, and a lot of flack from Philly fans and people talking to me about Mike Schmidt all the time, and while I know Mike Schmidt was a great third baseman, I know your fielding percentage goes up a little bit more when you're on that Astro turf. <laughs> that helps. There's no doubt about that. That helps. And I know that Cal Ripken once said Adrian Beltre was the best third baseman, but yeah. come on. Come on. It's Brooks yeah. Robinson. All right, at High Sports on Twitter is how you follow him. I assume you are, are you back next Saturday? Can we expect I'll, that? I'll be back next Saturday uh, as far as I know, yes. All right, very good. And, and you said specifically, oh, you know what? Ryan's actually out next Saturday, so you're good. You can come back in and don't have to worry about seeing him. Uh, well, then that means we have uh, Glenn, right? Probably. Uh, I mean, probably. I'm sorry, Kyle. Actually, I, uh, actually, you know what? I don't know. I think that would make sense if it was Kyle next Saturday. Yeah, we'll it would make sense if it was Kyle. Yeah, we'll figure that out. All right, All bud. Right. Thank you, sir. All right, talk to you later, Glenn. Craig Heiss joining us here on his show, The Bat Around, uh, as uh, he and Stan are out this morning. Glenn Clark with you here on a Saturday. All right, I want to try to get another break in. We try to get another break in, Ryan. I know, I know, I'm making life miserable on you, but I'll, I'll, I'll figure it all out. I promise you that. Hey, real quick, O's fans, listen up. Moms and dads, all season long, kids ages 9 and under cheer free at Oriole Park. Visit Orioles.com slash kids free for details and bring your kids to cheer free. Speaking of hosts of the Bat Around, Stan the Fan scheduled to join us when we come back in. We'll see. We're hoping to chat with Stan the Fan. That's next. It is the Bat Around on a Saturday morning from the Live Casino Hotel Studio. Spend this Memorial Day at Oriole Park and watch the O's take on the Tigers. Be one of the first 20,000 fans ages 21 and over to get a pair of Orioles outdoor pint glasses. 
presented by Sam Adams. There's no better place to kick off the summer than the ballpark. Check out the Orioles Rooftop Bar, where the local brews are flowing all summer long. And for food, Boog's Barbecue has you covered with a brand new look and the same great taste. Let us take care of the grilling while you kick back and enjoy the holiday. Summer starts here, so be part of it all. Visit Orioles.com for tickets. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home play to Camden Yards. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for baseball season. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. See every Orioles game on dozens of TVs and stop by before or after home games sliders baltimore's neighborhood sports bar see them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit sliders today one third of crash fatalities in maryland are due to impaired driving don't be a statistic be legendary what does it mean to be legendary it means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one never drinking then getting behind the wheel making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver remember sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover. Luke Jackson dives into the options the Orioles have with the number one pick in the MLB draft and the significance of them picking number one for just the second time ever as they're in the throes of a rebuild. Plus, Bo Smolka looks into the Oklahoma connections developing for the Ravens after using two of their first five picks on former Sooners for the second year in a row. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Oh. Or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. Well, I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. If trying something new was a bad idea, many of us would still be wearing polyester. This message is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. You may know us for our great burgers and wings, but Glory Days Pros mix it up with the fresh cedar plank salmon, cut in-house and grilled to perfection, or sizzling and juicy steaks, meaty ribs, we have handcrafted salads and sandwiches by our talented chefs, change tastes good. We promise. Experience the Glory Days Grill menu in all its glory. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports.
Back in here on the bat around on a Saturday morning, Glenn Clark in for Stan and Craig from the Live Casino Hotel studio of Press Box. As I was talking about in hour number one, there are always some great events happening at Live Casino Hotel. And don't know what you're doing if you're not getting over there to check them all out. Go to livecasinohotel.com to find out more. As I mentioned, uh, Family Feud Live Celebrity Edition, but also coming up at Live Casino Hotel. How about Boz Skaggs? Yeah, Boz Skaggs is coming to Live Casino Hotel and the Live Events Center on June 28th. Uh, perhaps your um, your wife, your uh, girlfriend, or both, or maybe yourself might enjoy the Chippendales performers as they'll be at Live Casino Hotel on July 12th and 13th. And on August 17th, Dwight Yoakam, crazy little thing called a Dwight Yoakam show in the Live Event Center at Live Casino Hotel. So all sorts of stuff coming up at Live Casino Hotel here in the course of the next couple of months. Get to livecasinohotel.com to find out more about it. Later on this hour, we will get more into the question about what the Orioles should do with the number one pick in the MLB draft. And we will be joined by Darren Sutton. I I love Darren. Uh, he was the play-by-play voice of the Diamondbacks when I worked out in Phoenix. He's now working with Pac-12 Network, so he's seen a lot of Adley Rutschman and Andrew Vaughn, the first baseman from Cal, that we've been talking about as a possibility for the Orioles with the number one pick should they try to go under slot. So we'll talk with Darren Sutton about those options. He also works with the folks at Perfect Game, does a lot of scouting stuff, interviews, MLB Network radio show. So we'll talk to him about some of the other options as well. So all of that coming up a little bit later on this hour when we chat with Darren Sutton. But we've got to pull an audible as we've had some things move around on us this morning. That happens, such is the business of, uh, of live broadcasting. And I had an opportunity a little bit earlier on this week to chat with a five-time World Series winner, a man who has accomplished all sorts of things in his baseball career, including pitching a perfect game. And he's got a new book out. We're going to take a listen from Glenn Clark Radio earlier in the week. Let's hear what it is that David Cohn, the former MLB pitcher, had to say. We listen in on the bat around this morning. Joined now here on GCR by a man who is a five-time World Series winner and a five-time All-Star. His new book is available right now. It's called Full Count, Education of a Pitcher. It's a pleasure to welcome David Cohn to GCR. David, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. No, my pleasure, Glenn. Good to be on with you. All right, so I, I just got my hands on the book last night, so I have to admit I haven't had a chance to dig into it the way that I normally like to do before we have somebody on. I'm going to just assume, the same way that I posed this to Bernie last summer about his book, that at least one chapter of the book admits you wouldn't be a five-time World Series winner had it not been for that rat fink Jeffrey Mayer in New York, correct? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Uh, well, Jeffrey Mears, I think, like 73 years old now, I believe. I mean, it, it seems like that long ago. But, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, you know, it, it was probably one of the big reasons why we have instant replay now, I mean, you know, for, for plays like that and big games like that. So, without a doubt, that that uh, turned around game one and uh, gave us a lot of confidence. Well, I appreciate you admitting that. I don't think that it gives us much solace here in Baltimore on the other <laughs> yeah. end. Um, and, uh, and clearly the Orioles would have won four out of five World Series had it not been for that. I think we all know that. Uh, <laughs> David, you had an unbelievable... that start. Right. If you just win game one, sure, they lost three at home that series. But I'm telling you, if they had won game one... 
Um, so, you know, your career, everything that you accomplished, it's such an amazing run. Um, you know, to win five World Series as we bring up, to you know, throw a perfect game, all of these things. I, I got to feel like at some point you had to know that your story was fascinating enough that it, you needed to write a book, right? Well, I think, you know, that that's part of it. Um, the, the, I just felt like that as a broadcaster now uh, that, I you know, I have a different perspective than, than I did as a player and mm-hmm. there's something to offer there. And, and certainly working with Jack Curry, who's a great writer, New York Times background uh, for, for so many years, and there was such a trust factor between... Uh, between uh, him and me, that uh, I just felt it was the right guy to do a book with, and we, we really um, exposed some nerves, as they say. You know, it's a raw and real book. It's an honest look at a lot of the mistakes I made along the way. Kind of shows some vulnerabilities of a pitcher, the insecurities that you feel, even even during the perfect game after eight innings. One of the best chapters in the book is uh, devoted to this talk in the mirror I had with myself after the eighth inning, and I've got three more outs to go on Yogi Berra Day to throw a perfect game, and all of the self-doubt and the battle in my mind uh, of good good energy, bad energy, positive thinking, everything. It's something probably a therapist could have a field day with, but wow. uh, you know, I, I think Jack did a great job of bringing it out in the book. We're going to link it up on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio, so you can find the Amazon link for David's book. Again, Full Count, The Education of a Pitcher, which is available right now. David, you know, it's funny you bring that up because we had a, such a lengthy conversation earlier on in the year. How many pitches did you throw in your perfect game? I threw 88 pitches on Yogi Berra Day. And, so, of course, uh, Yogi's number was number eight. So, right. You know, go figure. And so, but, and so obviously on that day there was no moment at which anybody was going to think to pull you out, right? Like, you, you watch now the pitch count thing. And, guys, we had one in Baltimore earlier this year with David Hess. And, you know, he's throwing a no-hitter into the eighth inning. And they go get him, and here's a kid who knows if he's ever going to be in a position like this again in his life. And, you know, he was 90-some pitches. He wasn't an overwhelming number at that point. What do you make of that? As a guy who experienced it, what do you make now of we see it so often when guys get pulled in these situations because we're obsessing over the pitch count concept? Yeah, you know, I understand. Yeah, it really is a difficult situation for managers nowadays. And the problem is is that the front offices across both leagues really have a lot of medical data that show that pitchers get really much more susceptible to injury when they get fatigued. So there, hence, comes the pitch count, uh, uh, you know, kind of mandate that, that, that comes down from front offices and trainers. And, and, and it really does put managers in a tight spot in terms of decision-making. And, you know, my contention would be this. It would be... Well, if it's about fatigue in pitchers' arms, then uh, maybe a little more rest between starts, maybe a six-man rotation, and, and allow pitchers to go ahead and throw 120 pitches a game. I mean, I was allowed to throw 140, 150 pitches a game. So, yeah, you know, the, it, we're still scratching the surface, but, I, you know, I understand that the medical data and the front offices that are armed with that are really mandating these managers to really watch pitch counts, and, and, and it poses a problem. And you know, it it does kind of compromise those those great games that you've seen in the past that, that get circumvented because of pitch counts. David, part of your story, obviously, being a part of the quote-unquote evil empire in New York for those years, ironic that, you know, so much of that team was made up of homegrown guys, right? And yet we think of it as, you know, the the reason why there's a problem in baseball. It's an unlevel playing field. And, you know, you experience that. I know it's different now. You know, the Yankees that you were around as a broadcaster – um, aren't willing to just sort of spend crazy money, not quite necessarily, not as if they didn't acquire Giancarlo Stanton's contract, but they're not doing the same things. They didn't go after Manny Machado the way we all expected. 
you know, what do you make of this unlevel playing field concept? It's a reality that we're dealing with in Baltimore. We're watching a rebuild process because the Orioles say, hey, look, we can't compete with these teams that go spend this type of money. What do you make of it as a guy who clearly had great success as a player being part of that group um, as far as what it means for the health of the sport in general? Yeah, you know, I really do feel uh, as if, you know, in a lot of respects uh, with regard to the international draft, uh, with regard to revenue sharing, that that the playing field is is much better than it used to be, without a doubt. And I think also that uh, Major League Baseball has had some great initiatives. You know, the advanced media and the streaming media that you see on your phones now was really developed and shared equally by all the owners. So I think it has gotten better, but... I know that there's always going to be haves and have-nots. Uh, the, you're never going to catch up with the Yankees. They, they are, uh, you know, if, if you equate it to Star Wars, you know, I mean, Star Wars, the movie and the franchise, doesn't work without Darth Vader. And yeah. The Yankees yeah. play that role, Darth Vader, and it's always going to be that way. So in some ways, uh, you know, life isn't always going to be fair. But I think it has gotten better in terms of revenue sharing and the way the owners have created new revenue streams and, and gotten control of, of uh, some of the payrolls with the luxury tax as well. I think the luxury tax almost acts like a soft cap or or even more of a harder cap nowadays, as we saw what's happened in free agency the last couple of years. No, it's a great point. Uh, The other side of that being, uh, I'm sure up in New York, everybody's talking about the NBA draft lottery, right, and the fact the Knicks didn't get the number one pick despite being the worst team. And there's been talk about doing something similar in baseball in recent years and trying to incentivize teams to compete instead of just unloading as the season goes on. And fielding a double-A team at the end of the year. Here in Baltimore, we're like, yeah, we like that in theory, but also we want to get the number one pick for the next couple of years because we need some players. Like, this is the yeah, way that exactly. this... Exactly. I mean, you, you love the concept of a level playing field until it's your turn to pick. Right. Sure. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Rob Manfred, the new commissioner of Major League Baseball, is very, is very open-minded to, to making some sort of... Uh, you know, revisions or revisiting some of the rules to to try to incentivize teams to, uh, without a doubt, compete. I mean, the the Houston Astros tanked uh, about you know uh, several years ago, and now you look at them, and and that that model worked. Now they're now they're just a monster yep. Uh, yep. Uh, of a team, and uh, everybody's following that model. And you know, I think they're you know it's not fair to the fans when when you when you see the tanking, and you know it may, it may be a five year plan, and it's very difficult. And I see the Orioles go through that now, and you know, obviously they're going to beef up their analytics department. They're going to take it in a new direction. It's something that, that was long overdue that needs to happen, including international scouting and having, you know, players come from the Dominican specifically. So, yeah, it is a long process. But at the same time, you know, the, the collective bargaining agreement uh, needs to be revisited. You need to have teams that are incentivized to, to compete on a year-in and year-out basis because, that's what the fans need to see, and that's how you truly grow the game in the long run. Wrapping up with David Cohn again, the book, Full Count, The Education of a Pitcher. It's available right now. David, with that in mind, uh, The Education of a Pitcher, most meaningful for you. Like, Can you pinpoint one thing that you say, in, in my life, I would not have become the guy that everyone knows, David Cohn, had it not been for this person or this lesson that I learned along the way? Well, to me, it always it always goes back to the start. It was really my father. My dad was a blue-collar guy. He worked the graveyard shift in a meatpacking plant, uh, and then he always uh, came home, dog-dead tired, and took me out in the backyard and taught me how to pitch. So he's the guy that instilled that work ethic in me. He also uh, was tough on me, you know. It was back in the days of corporal punishment, and, you know, he, he let me know, and, uh, 
you know, even though uh, something that might be frowned on now, it did make me tougher. And, uh, you know, but it also made me understand that, you know, culture can change. And uh, the culture of the tough love into what we see nowadays, uh, and it kind of relates to the culture of baseball. And it goes right to the heart of maybe bat flips, celebrations and bat flips and, you know, sh- you know, respecting the game and those sorts of issues, I think, uh, kind of are covered in this book. I'm pretty proud of that. It gives a raw look of uh, kind of the, the evolution of a young pitcher who grew up one way and now as a broadcaster all the way through my career kind of looks at things differently and you kind of evolve and open up your mind a little bit, whether it's sabermetrics or analytics or even the culture of the game and uh, allowing a little more uh, – you know, authentic emotion I like on the field is a good thing. I, I felt repressed when I played, and uh, that's another thing we covered in the book. Is hey, I just struck out Mike Smith. I got to put, I've got to put my head down and not show any emotion when in, inside I'm exploding. So there has to be a happy medium there in terms of authentic emotion, and yet not showing up your opponent or, or, or not being contrived. I love that, David. I think there's absolutely room for, you know, if you throw a fist pump because it's a big moment, you struck out a really great hitter. I love that, man. I think that's a great thing. Uh, David, give our best to our buddy Ken Singleton, uh, who I, I don't think is ever going to retire. We love him, and we hope that's the case. Uh, congratulations on the book. Can't wait to dive more into it. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thanks for having me on. That was David Cohn from earlier this week on Glenn Clark Radio and really enjoyed that conversation and actually really appreciate So it is the bat around. I'm Glenn Clark. Ryan is in with me this morning. Stan and Craig are out. Um, Ryan, you are far too young to, to know. Do you even know what the name Jeffrey Mayer means? Not too sure. Yeah, I was afraid of that. This is, this is one of those painful moments for me as I realize how old I am, right? Um, Jeffrey Mayer in Baltimore is a curse word. Like, if you say this man's name, you will be strangled on the streets of Baltimore. Because in 1996, the Orioles played the Yankees in the American League Championship Series. And in Game 1 of the ALCS, the Orioles were in great shape to win the game. Derek Jeter hit a sort of routine fly ball to right field that just carried for a little while. And the Orioles' right fielder at the time was named Tony Tarasco. And Tony Tarasco was underneath the ball, was set to make the catch, and all of a sudden, this hand stretches out from over the right field wall and pulls the ball over the wall. And it was obvious that somebody, a human being, had reached into the field of play it was clearly going to be an out and should have been recorded as an out because Tony Tarasco was going to catch the ball easily. And for some insane reason, Richie Garcia didn't notice it, despite the fact that in the playoffs you have a right field outfielder or uh, umpire. The call was not made. It went down as a home run. The Yankees win game one. And yes, the Orioles ended up losing three straight at home to lose the series 4-1. But still, if they had won that game, and if history had remained the same, and they had won game two in New York as well, which they did, they won game two in New York in that series, they would have gone back to Baltimore with a 2-0 series lead in the ALCS. And that 97 or 96 Orioles team was very good. It was not They were dominant in 97. They were very good in 96. They had a bunch of 20 home run guys in the lineup. And that kid became honorary mayor of new york like he was in the world series parade here his name is vile 
it's vile. And I've had this ongoing um, interaction with Jeffrey Mayer. It's a bizarre story that I've talked about a little bit, where um, in recent years, uh, like uh, there was, I'm trying to do the math on this, I guess the 20th anniversary was a couple years ago. So yeah, 20th anniversary would have been in, uh, in 2016. And the summer leading up to the 20th anniversary, I reached out, Jeffrey Mayer went like radio silent. He played collegiate baseball at like a D3 school, and then he sort of went radio silent. Like he's never wanted to be the celebrity that he was as a, I think he was 12 when this whole thing happened. He's just sort of gone off the face of the planet. Like he doesn't do interviews. He doesn't do, you know, like go sign autographs at Yankees games or anything like that where he still remains a folk hero. He's just gone radio silent. Like he doesn't want to be Jeffrey Mayer. It's not quite like, you remember the guy in Chicago? God, you're so young. I don't know what you remember. Um, Steve Bartman? Bartman, correct. You remember how, like, Bartman, like, ESPN was trying to seek him out to do the 30 for 30, and they literally had, like, Wayne Dress, like, stalking him and driving behind him to work and all of those things, and Bartman was so uninterested in doing it that he literally said, like, you know, uh, I appreciate this, but um, if you don't leave, I'm going to call the cops. Like, he just, he's that uninterested. It's been sort of similar with Jeffrey Mayer. Like, he... Which makes no sense because he's beloved in New York, right? In New York, he's a beloved figure because he helped the Yankees win that first, and that was the first of their four World Series in five years, in 96. So it's never really made sense that he's gone off the face of the planet the way that he has, but he has. So I was given some contact information for him uh, three years ago. I sought it out, and I tracked down Jeffrey Mayer. And in 2016, I reached out and said, hey, man, you know, this is the 20th anniversary of the thing. I feel like there's a fun story to tell about your interactions over the years. Like, I got to imagine you've been in an airport somewhere and someone looked at your, you know, driver's license and was like, Jeffrey Mayer and was an Orioles fan. Like, I got to imagine there's some fun stories over the years of you having these interactions. Uh, I just thought, look, I'm not trying to antagonize you. I'm not trust. I'm not telling the kid, by the way, I've hated you my entire life. Like, you ruined... I was 13 years old, and you ruined my 13th, you know, uh, my my eighth, my entire eighth grade year. Like I didn't want to tell him any of that stuff. I just said, look, I thought there would be a neat story there, and he said, you know, you might be right about that. And I, I told him, I'm like, this is not about me. I'm not trying to make an a-hole out of you. I just thought that maybe all these years later, perhaps you'd be willing to talk about it and understand, you know, listen to Orioles fans, the whole deal. And he was like, well, let me think about it. And we ended up emailing each other back and forth for like a month. And he ultimately said, I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to do any interviews. I just don't want to, I don't want to be 12-year-old kid Jeffrey Mayer. You know, the man's 35 years old or whatever he is. He's got a life, a family, a job, the whole thing. So, okay, whatever. I, you know, I, in this business, you have a million story ideas. A tenth of them able, or, uh, end up coming through at most. At most, a tenth of them work out. So you're used to that. You're used to this one I was really excited about because nobody had heard from this kid, and I thought it would be really good, but it just didn't work out. That happens all the time. So I sent back something like, hey, you know, I understand, and I appreciate you having the, the, com the back and forth with me, but ultimately that's your, certainly your choice, and you're right, and I respect that, and blah, 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 blah. The Orioles in 2016, if you remember, made the playoffs, and they played uh, in... Toronto in the wild card game and while that wasn't an Orioles team that we necessarily thought was going to win a World Series we certainly thought they were capable of beating the Blue Jays in Toronto 
And as you'll remember in that game, for some inexplicable reason, the best reliever in all of baseball, Zach Britton, sat in the bullpen while the game went to extra innings. And instead of using the best reliever in all of baseball, Buck Showalter decided, I'm going to roll out Ubaldo Jimenez and see how this goes. And as we remember, the Orioles lose in extra innings without Zach Britton ever getting into the game. And so despite the fact that the Orioles are probably not going to win the World Series that year, it was just an absolute gut punch of a feeling because of the way the game went. Because you'd stayed up all night. In playoff baseball, like the, the one game scenario, it's like that no matter what. But this one on top of that, it was a close game throughout. Hyun, uh, boy, Hyunsu Kim, I think, had a home run in that game. Like, unlikely Orioles hero. And here you are in extra innings, and Zach Britton gets left in the bullpen while Ubaldo Jimenez goes out there to get his ass kicked and have it end, right? Like, it's just awful. And I woke up the following morning, October 5th, 2016, at 9.20 a.m. for an email <laughs> from Jeffrey Mayer. Oh, God. Jeffrey Mayer said, Glenn, tough game last night, impressive season, and definitely should be proud of the club's consistency over the past five years. Wow. And I was so, – like, he, he clearly wasn't trying to be a, uh, a jerk, right? Like, he was clearly attempting to say, I, I bet it's got to be a tough feeling for Orioles fans right now. But in that moment, I had more rage inside of me that this a-hole kid – that had ruined my entire eighth grade was now piling on the morning after the Orioles left Zach Britton in the bullpen and allowed uh, Ubaldo Jimenez to go out there and end the season, which, as we know, God knows when the next time is that we might see the Orioles in the playoffs. Yeah. I was it I, I was on fire. I was so hot in that moment. Reading, I couldn't even respond to him. Like, I couldn't even respond. And again, I have no doubt that this was not Jeffrey Mayer trying to be an extra, you know, uh, piece of crap to me and, and, and twist the knife. I think he was genuinely trying to be polite and say, D you know, what a tough season, but, you know, you got a lot to be proud of. I know you're an Orioles fan. And instead, I wanted to murder everyone. It was the angriest. Like, I went to bed angry. I somehow woke up even angrier because it was the first thing that I saw the next morning, and I was furious. Have you talked to him since? Um, no, we have not been in touch since that email. We have Straw not. That broke the I figured back. I would try again for the 25th anniversary, so that's two years from now. So maybe I'll reach out then. We'll see how that goes. Just adds to the level of hatred. In no the city. question. Say his name again that. for the people in the back. I don't want to do it. I don't want to say the name again because it <laughs> angers me so much. All right, uh, today's show is also brought to you by Sliders. Stop by Sliders, Baltimore's favorite local sports bar, to watch the big games, including the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NCAA lacrosse tournament today and tomorrow, Maryland today, Loyola in action tomorrow. Food and drink specials every day. Sliders located just 771 feet from home plate across from Camden Yards. And Sliders is a proud sponsor of the Ross Grimsley Show, which we are proud to have as part of the Press Box podcast team the ross grimsley show tuesday mornings in the 9 a.m hour and available throughout the week at pressboxonline.com slash ross grimsley show 
When we come back in, Darren Sutton's going to join us. Pac-12 Network, Perfect Game, MLB Network Radio, all those places. We're going to talk about the Orioles, the number one pick in the draft next. It is the Bat Around on a Saturday morning. This is Ross Grimsley with a reminder to all my baseball friends out there that I'm now part of the Press Box Podcast team. Catch my take on the O's and whatever's going on in this great game of baseball. We'll also touch base with some of my old friends and teammates. Tune in every Tuesday morning or listen anytime at PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show. I like world-famous chicken. You like world-famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms world-famous chicken's always fresh, never frozen. Because it's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices. Because it's cooked on the spot, right in the store. And because it's the juiciest, best-tasting chicken on the planet. That's why everyone likes Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Western fries, too. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Section 336 here with all your Baltimore sports talk. The Raven season is now done. But the Orioles season is just ahead. We have a new GM. We have a new manager. We have a few new baseball players out there. Reason for optimism. I don't know if you can name any of those new players. And I think we won 40-some <laughs> games last year. Yeah, but I remember a terrible year in 1988 where we were able to turn it around the very next year in 1989. Why not 2019? Why yeah, not? why not? Why not check out Section 336 at Section336.com, Facebook, or on Twitter and iTunes as well. Just search for Section 336. The latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover. Luke Jackson dives into the options the Orioles have with the number one pick in the MLB draft and the significance of them picking number one for just the second time ever as they're in the throes of a rebuild. Plus, Bo Smolka looks into the Oklahoma connections developing for the Ravens after using two of their first five picks on former Sooners for the second year in a row. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Glory Days Grill-to-Go menu is based on a simple reality. You can't spend your whole life at Glory Days Grill. Your boss wouldn't like it, and neither would your kids or your dog. So come to Glory Days and get your food to go. On your way to soccer practice, or to the office, or to, well, wherever. We know the hardest part of visiting Glory Days Grill is leaving. But at least you take a little piece of us wherever you go. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports. As the weather heats up, the menu at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square cools down. Introducing the all-new Frosted Key Lime, a fun twist on one of America's favorite pies. The new treat is a hand-spun combination of Chick-fil-A's signature ice dream, Chick-fil-A lemonade, and natural sugar-free lime flavoring made from a blend of key limes, coffer limes, and Persian limes. Frosted Key Lime gets its green color from a mix of nutrient-rich ingredients. Download the Chick-fil-A app today, place your order, and get points towards free stuff at our chick-fil-a nottingham square plus if you order using your app your food will be ready when you get there stop by chick-fil-a in the nottingham square shopping center at 5198 campbell boulevard and tell steve we sent you
back in here on the bat around. I, I I always forget that like I've told that Jeffrey Mayer story before, but I always forget that like you know there are people that don't listen. Believe it or not, there are people that don't listen to every word that I've ever said in my entire life that can't tune in to every day, Ryan. And blasphemy. I know. I agree with that. Clearly, you do. Every day, you've heard every word I've ever said. Uh, you don't even know who Jeffrey Mayer was. Um, but I I got a, uh, Matt Pine just chimed in this morning and said that Glenn Clark uh, Jeffrey Mayer story following the 2016 wild card game has me feeling some type of way. I uh, th- that's a secondary feeling. <laughs> Imagine I'm gonna do my best. I have to block out his email address, so I got to edit the. I'm gonna share the email again. Um, but yeah, I, by the way, I, I brought up that story because David Cohn, we had talked to David Cohn, and he at least is willing to admit that Jeffrey Mayer played a role. Like, he at least is absolutely willing to admit that Jeffrey Mayer played a role in them winning the 1996 World Series. Like, he doesn't just say, oh, we would have won anyway, or he doesn't try to say, like, ah, oh, I'm pretty sure that was a home run. Like, they all openly admitted they robbed. They robbed that game from the Orioles. We had Bernie Williams on last summer. He had a book that was coming out, said the same exact thing, like, you're right. <laughs> You're right. That would, I'm like, it's, it gives you, you don't feel any better about it. Um, but it's at least nice to hear, I guess. It's at least nice to hear that they're willing to admit it. So I'll share the email in a second when I get the opportunity to uh, edit out his email address because I don't want people bombarding Jeffrey Mayer because Lord knows what Baltimoreans might do if they uh, were able to reach out to Jeffrey Mayer. Hey, uh, the Bat Around is also brought to you today by Jerry's Tire and Auto, which is a proud sponsor of the Press Box High School Lacrosse Show with Booker Corrigan's every Monday. Located in Baltimore City, just steps away from Little Italy and historic Jonestown, Jerry's not only sells all the major brand tires like Bridgestone, Michelin, and Continental, but it's also your go-to shop for everything from oil changes to factory scheduled maintenance. All repairs are backed by a nationwide warranty. The team over at Jerry's has been serving the Baltimore area for over 62 years, and they're eager to earn your business. Give them a call, 410-685-4330, or visit them online at jerrystires.com to shop for tires and schedule an appointment. That's jerrys, G-E-R-R-Y-S, tires.com. I got to tell a quick story here. Really excited to chat with our next guest. When I was a very young broadcaster, I sojourned into the desert for a couple of years. I left Baltimore when I was 21 years old, and I worked at a couple stations in Phoenix, including KDUS uh, 1060 out in Arizona. And our next guest was one of the kindest human beings that I came across in my couple of years that I spent out in Arizona in trying to establish myself. I was working with the likes of Kevin McCabe and Rockin' Manooch out in Phoenix. And our next guest was always willing to take time for me and for us and all the various shows that I did. And all these years later, I just I hope that he knows how significant that was for a young broadcaster, that there was somebody that was this good at what he did and this kind and giving of his own time. And he remains that way to this day. Joining us now, uh, you, you see him on the Pac-12 network and you hear him on MLB Network Radio and doing the stuff with Perfect Game. It's a pleasure to welcome into the bat around this morning. Mr. Darren Sutton, who joins us here on the show. Darren, it is Glenn in Baltimore. It has been far too long. I really mean everything I said. I'm greatly appreciative of how kind you've been over the years, and I thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Oh, uh, Darren, you there? Oh, sorry about that, Darren. How are you, sir? Good, my friend. I I really appreciate what you just said. That means a lot. Um, I think I... You know, I hold my kids to the same standards. They're adults now, young adults, and 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 I guess my father taught me the same way. And uh, you know, as a player, he had guys like Koufax and Drysdale that passed stuff down to him. So now, 
there's going to be some young broadcasters someday, and you're going to be passing along nuggets. Those are kind words, though. That's no a question. lot. Thank you. It's 2006 to eight were the years that I was out there, and it really nice. meant a lot. And fun years, by the way, to be around the Arizona Diamondbacks too. It was for a guy that had been in Baltimore in a, in a miserable stretch for the Baltimore Orioles. It was a neat time to be out there and the team making runs, the NLCS, and uh, fun players that were on those rosters. So it was a fun time for me to be out there. But right now it's a fun time. I, look, not on the field in Baltimore because the Orioles are terrible. But they got the number one pick in the draft in a couple weeks. And that's exciting because it's only happened once before in Orioles history. And I, I, obviously the name that everybody is talking about, Darren, is Adley Rutschman. And you doing everything you do between Perfect Game and MLB Network Radio and the Pac-12 Network – I know how familiar you are with Adley Rutschman. Clearly, the East Coast bias thing, very few of us have ever actually seen him play or know all that much about him other than everybody raves about him. Is this guy the guy that he is made out to be? Is he really like a LeBron James type, surefire, can't miss, must have with the number one pick in the draft? He is. It's never wavered, and it's been known since last year. You and I both know that you know the two sports are different. You know, that a catcher in a field of nine can impact like a basketball player in a field of five with regard to teammates and, and the settings. But he's special, and he's a long-term investment. He's a, he's a catcher who's an outstanding athlete. I'm not going to stretch it to say he can play anywhere on the field, but he certainly can play anywhere on the corners on the field. But he's a catcher, and he, he, will, not, he will not Bryce Harper move and, and leave the position of catcher because you're signing him for his bat. You're signing him because he's an amazing hitter with a presence in the box in a conference that traditionally has been dominated by pitching and pitching-friendly ballparks, um, a conference that's meaningful again. You know, a conference that's had a couple of down years, but the last two years has been very meaningful. And he, uh, along with a couple of other guys, he's not alone, but he, along with a couple of other guys, uh, has owned this conference. And uh, I was thinking about when you called yesterday or reached out, and I listened to some of our conversations, he's incredibly grounded he's had a great upbringing his dad caught and caught in amateur ball and played men's leagues until he was in his 40s um the game courses through his veins he loves being a leader he had a moment in a game last year against arizona where i almost thought he was out of line where he met a pitcher coming off the field who was talking trash to the other dugout in tucson and i thought he's he's lost that young talented pitcher well it was the pitcher you know abel that ended up you know winning the college world series and he hadn't lost him. He, in fact, won him and said, get off the field. We don't do this. You're better than this. And that's the kind of moments. He was a junior. He was a sophomore then. Those are the kind of moments, along with the skill, which is elite, um, that I think that Adley Rutschman's going to fit in just fine. He'll disappear for a couple of years because that's how the difference in LeBron and Adley Rutschman right. is. He's going to have to disappear for a couple of years. But he's only going to be a couple of years before he'll be catching in the big league. So that was one of the things I wanted to get to was, I mean, I I had heard from people that this guy, part of what makes him so special is he might not be that far. And again, this is baseball. This is not, he's not showing up here in September and nor does that even make sense given where the Orioles are, but that he could be a guy that might be able to get to the major league level a little bit quicker than your typical, you know, even college draft pick. Yes, Absolutely. His his catching game is refined. His pitching coach, Nate Yeski, I think has got to be pretty well compensated there. I think he could have been when the Pat Casey move was made. I think Yeski probably should have been the head coach. He's an advanced metrics guy. He's a, he's a track man guy. He embraces advanced teaching of, of catching. So he's learned to catch from an elite pitching coach, if that makes sense. His catching skills have come from home. 
and that's even better because he's learned to catch from dad. Um, but but his, his mind as a catcher has grown with a guy by the name of Nate Yeski, and that's a name that Orioles fans, as he gets to the big leagues, mm-hmm. is going to know because he's had such a huge impact on him. Um, he, he's, he's defending as he lead. He blocks well. So you can take all the catching things and just say they're all great, and, and you put him in a basket and say he's a major league catcher now compared to some of the guys that are running out there. It's just getting used to catching every day. It's getting used to playing every day. This year is a wash, too, because think about this. Even if his team doesn't play deep into the postseason, and they may, they may not. I mean, they've had hiccups. You know, he's been catching three games on the weekends, and he's been catching during the week. You know, he, you know, this year is kind of a wash. I mean, to me, I think you get him his pro at bats this year. I'd love to see him at a higher level once he signs only offensively and catch some. Let his body rest, and then you really grind it next year. Is it high A next year? Is it double A? That's bold, but maybe it is double A in his first wow. full season wow. because he's he's a really really polished catcher. Darren, I, this is not necessarily unique to Adley, but I, I'm going to present this because I've heard this from some Orioles fans. the The only knock is not about him; it's about the risk. That part of the reason why I think Adley Rutschman is so well thought of is because of the premium at the position. But the flip side argument being, there have been so few great catchers that have both been able to maintain significance at the position as well as hitting dominance for a period of 10 to 12 years that it's it's a very small group of guys that have been able to do that there is great risk when it comes to the toll on your body things along those lines why would Adley Rutschman be different than than many of the guys that have you know I, I maybe the fear is in Baltimore a comparison to Matt Wieters right who was supposed to be a rock star, and this guy, he was supposed to be Joe Maurer with power and just sort of was not able to sustain that because of the nature of playing the catching position. Is there a reason why we should think it should be different with Adley Rutschman? He, he, he just is different. I don't know, and maybe it's partly the person, the character. That doesn't mean that Maurer and, and Weeders and all these other guys, you know, I mean, that Joe Maurer had great character, and that's what – there, there's just – there's a side to him mentally, mentally when you kind of split his head open and talk to him where you – you know he understands his responsibility. There's a groundedness to him. When you come out of that, when you come out of that Oregon State program, you're just a little bit different. And with all due respect to every other program, they they manage to win a ton of games, generate a ton of revenue for their athletic department and their university. And the the approach there keeps players humble keeps them learning it's it's naia going to omaha it really really is and um, maybe it's because of its remoteness maybe it's because corvallis is a couple of plane changes or a portland two-hour drive away once you get to portland but they have managed and pat casey set the standard there i remember calling a game and seeing pat casey at you know vigil mass in the evening on a saturday after a game in corvallis there's just a standard there so that's part of it number one um, is is the way he's gone, and it's just it's the skills. When you look at the skills, so I get all I'm getting into touchy feely stuff, right? Yeah. But then I trust every single scout I talk to that's seen him that says he's just different and better than anybody else. Yeah, I, and, there's no uh, doubt. And, and and you have to start thinking about your options. So if you're going to be pessimistic, you know, do you take a high school shortstop at one? Yep. I mean, Bobby Witt's amazing. He's incredible, but that's four years away. He's a huge talent. Um, J.J. Blade, who's at Vanderbilt's incredible outfielder, he could be there quick. I mean, you if 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 you want to go pessimistic, and I but but look, why not take the risk on a guy who could be? You know, the chances are kind of in your favor 
that he could be a franchise-changing player. Look, the baseball draft is a huge roll of the dice anyway, but this is a guy I'd take a risk on. Darren Sutton is with us here on the Bat Around on a Saturday morning. Uh, Darren, I... I want to bring up a couple of those other names. And, and I, again, I, I'm going to start with the guy that you see more in the Pac-12 network, and it's Andrew Vaughn from Cal. There's this scenario that has been painted by a few different people, and the Orioles are, are keeping it very hush-hush, even off the record. They're keeping it very tight-lipped. But there's been enough bluster about this possibility. Remember the Astros a few years ago, Mike Elias, now the general manager of the Orioles, was the assistant GM of the Astros, and Carlos Correa was not the consensus number one guy in that draft, but they took him signed him under slot, and then used money in order to procure Lance McCullers later on in the draft. They also got Rio Ruiz didn't work out quite as well with that one. But they were able to get two really important pieces. Obviously, the Correa pick itself turned out to be far better than anybody could have dreamed at that point. And they didn't spend the full slot money. And there's been a thought that perhaps the Orioles could consider doing the same thing and getting an Andrew Vaughn, maybe with the number one pick, saving some money, going under slot, getting a few more players later on. I, I know that Andrew Vaughn is an unbelievable hitter. I, I think that there's a similar thing that people feel like, really, you're going to take a first baseman with the number one overall pick? That's the position where you put the guys that you don't have a position for. But how special potentially is Andrew Vaughn? He's equal to Adley Rutschman from one side of the plate. He, he is uh, a mentally prepared hitter. He's a physically prepared hitter. You, you don't win the Golden Spikes as a sophomore in, in an era in which you're nominating junior college players, in which the SEC is so overhyped, and deservedly so. It's tough to compete in any sort of media coverage. Uh, and you're out west. Your games are on the weekends when everyone back east, to, and, and I include in the Deep South, is going to bed. Um, and you, you win the Golden Spikes with your eyes closed. I mean, he is a pure hitter. His approach is solid. He stays in his legs in the box so well. He trusts his hands. Um, there's, again, a, an academic mental approach to his hitting, um, and he's paid attention. You know, Dave Esker, who's the coach at Stanford now, taught him a lot, um, you know, before he left. He recruited him. He taught him a lot. And on teams before this year that weren't good, he's been great. And he understands how to be pitched around. He understands the patience that goes into it. He'll be pitched, too, as a pro. They're not going to worry about that because he'll fall in the line. But um, he's, a, he's a beautiful hitter. I mean, he, he is every, every bit equal the hitter that Rutschman is, in my mind, but from one side of the plate, and he does, where his value, and this is unfair to him, but his value goes down a little bit, he's not at a premium position. Right. Um, but he's a great first baseman. And certainly, could he be an outfielder? Absolutely. Um, play somewhere in the outfield. He's an athlete. He's, he's a big, strong athlete. He's fit. He's big, and he's fit. He's not big because he's big. Um, he's not. Let's hope. Uh, let's hope Prince Fielder works out. And it did, by the way. Sure. Um, but it's not that. He's big. He's fit. God made him blocky and strong, and he's he's taken advantage of that. But again, he talks hitting. When you talk hitting with him, it's advanced. It's it's the major league level. It's it's unique. And so this is another guy who. Yeah, I mean, if, I I I I love the rumors, and I don't know anything about it. I'm so far away in some ways from the big leagues to even comment on it. But if I'm Andrew Vaughn, why would I be interested in going under slot? I, I wouldn't be interested in that if I'm Andrew Vaughn. So, yeah, I, won the, I won the Golden Spikes Award. I'm in the conversation again this year. My team is better because of me, um, and I have attracted other athletes. I've helped guys like Darren Baker, Dusty Baker's son, grow as a player. Um, why, why am I going under slot? I, I, I'm, I don't know. But Interesting. To me, that's, it's, it's a wonderful story. And Either way, you know, it's life-changing money. But, yeah, he's, he's a beautiful, pure hitter. 
but he doesn't catch and he's not a switch hitter. Well, and what you're saying, though, by the, you know, we, we have this conversation around here, and somebody will say, well, if you're drafting a first baseman, they better be Joey Votto, they better be Paul Goldschmidt, and it sounds like the way you're describing him is he might very well be that guy. Yeah, Goldie's a great comp. That's a perfect comp. Goldie's a perfect comp. Okay. I, I, I don't think anybody would be angry about having Paul Goldschmidt for the next decade. I think that would be a very good thing if it could work out that way in Baltimore. You brought up uh, Bobby Witt Jr., and, and Darren, I'm assuming you haven't seen much, at, if at all, of Bobby Witt Jr., um, no, no, I've seen, I've actually seen tons. I'll oh, okay. You. I've seen tons only through my time as the EP of uh, content with Perfect Game. Oh, sure, right. I haven't seen him, so I haven't seen him this spring, but I have seen him tons. I okay. Mean, I've seen him for two straight years. I've done really cool features with him, and so, yeah, let's dive in on anything you want to know about So him. he still intrigues me, and again, you know, I go back to last September when the Orioles were playing the Royals, and we actually had Bobby on the show, and, and everybody around here was you know freaking out about that being the series to decide who was going to get the draft Bobby Witt because he was thought of as being the consensus number one at that point. Clearly that's changed. Rutschman's become that guy. But I still look at his skill set and time-wise. Like if the, if the knock on Bobby Witt between the two of them is what well, would take a little bit longer – Nobody, Baltimore is not winning anything for any time. Like it's going to be years before the Orioles are in position to try to compete for anything of relevance whatsoever. The time aspect of this wouldn't bother me whatsoever if that's the only difference between the two. Is Rutschman's better because he's going to be available quicker? Well, the Orioles are five years away from competing for anything. Are there any other actual knocks on Bobby Witt Jr. that he isn't a guy that should be considered for the number one pick? No. 100% no, and when you couch it the way you've couched it, I'm taking Bobby Witt. Wow. I mean, when you couch it the way you've couched it, I'm absolutely taking him. He can play anywhere on the field besides catch. You probably could teach him to catch if you needed to, but um, it's a huge bat. He, he shrunk Nationals Park last year at the high school home run. Right. And I'm talking walkway stuff, and they were using aluminum. He spent his whole high school career using wood and uh, playing at a high, high level using wood. Um, his his mind for the game is great. His dad, who had big league experience, is the furthest thing from a little league dad. His son has grown up under the watchful eye a little bit of dad and Rusty Greer, who played in the big leagues for quite some sure. time. So you have that makeup and work ethic of Rusty Greer, but you have ten times the talent of Rusty Greer. And uh, so you know he's 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 of size enough. He's about six one, six two. He's athletic. He's not overly strong. He thinks the game through, and he, under all kinds of pressure, has never, ever faded or crumbled. He chases games. You know, the, the, the big thing about Bryce, I think when Bryce was young, before the, the real true proliferation of travel ball, Bryce Harper, was, you know, he'd get called up and be invited to join teams, and Sports Illustrated and Verducci documented it years ago. He chases games for a guy who's so protected for in an era in which you know, agents protect players and maybe don't have them go on interviews or don't have them, and, you know, you talked about interacting with them, don't have them playing too much, let's protect them. He'll, he'll play anywhere, anytime, yep. anyplace. Yep. And, and that means perfect game events. That means he's a PG All-American. That means he's an Under Armour All-American. That means he's winning gold in Panama. That means he's a Colleyville Heritage, and he's hitting some ridiculous amount of home runs um, at some stupid number. That means he's actually a Golden Spikes finalist as a high school player, which is laughable. That's laughable. And um, so, yeah, to me, if in the way you couch it, and I'm going to go off your lead, I take him one and not Rutschman. And, and by the way, I, I, this is not – I don't think it's a problem to take Rutschman. And I'm, I'm not trying to pretend that I – It's not a I, problem at all. Yeah. You're going to get there quick. But it, if you tell me 
I, I, I'm giving you two players, and, and you got five years, I, I take Witt. Interesting. That's really interesting, considering the two. And I, I can't shake that. I haven't been able to shake that. Also, by the way, uh, Darren, it is, I think, still relevant that the Orioles literally hired his uncle as a scout last October. Hmm, like, okay. I, I can't help but think that there, that would be that decision would be super awkward. And I, again, I can't get anybody, even off the record, to admit that to me. <laughs> I, I keep trying. I keep bringing up, like, you guys knew before you hired him what was going on. It would seem very uncomfortable to me that they it's hired. A super good conspiracy theory. Right. I love it. Right. Like, it just seems a little bit weird. Um, let me ask you about one other guy before I let you go. And I really appreciate the time, Darren, only because he's already in the Orioles system. We were talking about Oregon State, but Caden Grenier. Um, who is the shortstop there and who's off to a pretty good start in his pro career here. What did you think of Caden coming out? And, again, part of the team that won the World Series, but um, a, a nice player and a very you know similar position, obviously, to what we're talking about with Bobby Witt, but uh, seems to be a nice player that's adapting very well to the professional game. I used to love watching he and Nick Madrigal play in the middle of the infield. Madrigal was the first-round pick of the Sox, and Grenier obviously selected by the Baltimore Orioles. Um, and they were very different. Madrigal had the personality of Rutschman, which was a little bit understated, humble. Grenier had 100% the personality of Las Vegas, and that's where hmm. he was from. Hmm. And he was a perfect game All-American, so I knew him as a high schooler, and I knew him pretty darn well. I just kind of stopped doing games you know, full-time, so I'd really emerged with, the, with these kids and been around him. He's super special. Um, he's, he's again, another guy who's, you know, undersized in a sense. He's about 5'10", but he is an elite defender. Um, his bat is going to be a bonus, but he's going to hit. I don't know if he'll hit as good as well as Madrigal, but he's going to hit his way easily to the big leagues. And, um, his play at short will be game changing. So, uh, I like his edge. And again, in that setting of Oregon state, which is a little bit more humble, um, he fit in just fine because you do what you have to do, which taught me a lot about him. He may be all Vegas all the time, uh, but, but almost like being around Bryce Harper, you know, in person where you have all the things you hear, then you spend time with him. Um, you know, there's confidence, there's swag, there's bat flips, but then there's how do you treat people, and he treats people great. He's a, the key I go back to, he's a great defender. One of the better shortstops at the college level I've ever seen play. So I'm glad he's hitting enough to be out there. Um, I'm not sure that they have him back in the in the Sally League. I'm not sure where he's at, but um, he'll he'll walk a little bit. He won't walk a ton, and he's not going to hit like Madrigal. But his glove is uh, a little bit better than Nick Madrigal, the the first round pick of the wow. White Sox. Wow, uh, Darren, I really what can we plug for you, man? Let's get all that in. Everything that you've got going on, what what all can we plug for you, sir? Oh my gosh, I have a wonderful gig. I'm about to be in hiatus for the Pac-12 Network. I get to do every sport. Um, that's out west. That's a long ways away from your folks back there. But uh, I do every sport. Uh, baseball is my minimal touch. It's football, college basketball, and uh, it's it's women's gymnastics. It's every sport, and I love it. I have a wonderful deal with them. I'm the executive producer of content for Perfect Game, which means all these kids are talking about we do documentaries we do live broadcasts we have an all-american game in san diego on august the 11th on the mlb network we have a 14u all-american game the day before labor day on the uh, cbs sports network and i get to kind of have a grown-up job around it which means i'm a administrative that's no fun i don't love that i just like <laughs> calling games and telling stories but uh yeah never been happier a couple of years back i got i got four wonderful years 
uh, of compensation to not work for an organization, and it was a wonderful time in my life to figure out what I wanted to do next. Well, so, that's, that's great, um, man. It's been great, man. I appreciate you connecting with me. Anytime any of your, your, your geeks want to geek out on Futures Talk, I, I'll be glad. I'd love to, to do that with you. And I'll tell everybody to follow you as well. At Life is Great Sut on Twitter is how you can follow him. Darren, it's been too long, man. And, again, mean everything I said. Uh, really somebody who meant a lot to me as I was getting my uh, my foot in the door in this business, and I will forever be indebted for that and appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Keep it up, man. Go show the next generation the way. Glad to, glad to have you out there kicking tail. Thank you, Darren. Darren Sutton joining us here this morning on uh, the bat around as we wind down. Um, really appreciate that conversation and uh, a great dude who is ve- very good at you know, every role that he's been in, and I was around him when he was the play-by-play voice of the Diamondbacks and um, was excellent and was always very giving, and I will never forget that. And that's fascinating that he says, again, in the context of, I'm saying I don't. It's a five year thing, right? Like I think you've got time if you're the Orioles when it comes to this pick. He says if that's the case, if you've got the time, I'd go Wit over Rutschman, which is fascinating to me. And I keep coming back to that. Like I, I keep trying to figure out if there's a baseball reason why it has to be Rutschman over Wit, and. I hear more and more it's about how quick or how soon it appears as though Rutschman's going to be ready. And that's cool, and I'm not opposed to that, but we're not there. That's, that timeline doesn't work with the Orioles. The Orioles are significantly far away. And if that's the case, then it's not a problem if the timeline is more like a four- or five-year timeline. If Bobby Witt ultimately is that much of a can't-miss talent, is that much of a rock star type of player, just needs a little bit more in terms of development, there's no rush here. There's no difference if this guy is ready in 2021 or not because the Orioles aren't competing in 2021. There's just no realistic scenario. Again, I get it, it's baseball, who knows, six guys all hit at the same time, right? I guess it's possible. But reality says... 2021 is not when the Orioles are competing. They've got time. And Darren Sutton, who knows these guys very well, says, if that's the case... Oh, by the way, Darren's also the son of a Hall of Famer. Let's also not forget that. He's the son of uh, Don Sutton, the Hall of Fame pitcher. Um, He knows baseball. He says, if that's the case, if you've got the time, give me Bobby Witt. So that's fascinating. It's fascinating as we get closer to the Orioles uh, drafting with the number one pick here in a couple of weeks. Uh, that'll about do it for us. We need to tell everybody about the Costa Sin, and I love doing that because the Costa Sin is amazing. The food at the Costa Sin is incredible. If you're just going there for the food and nothing else, that would be just fine. But what makes the Costa Sin so special is that on top of the food, Nick and Pete and the whole family treat you like royalty when you're at the Costa Sin. It's, and it's not like they treat you like that because, you know, I'm Glenn Clark and I host shows. Before I was ever Glenn Clark and hosted shows, I would go to the Costas Inn and I would be treated that way by Nick and Pete. And I don't get over there as much as I'd like to because of my life and having two small kids. And and yet still, every time I'm over there, it is it is so good to see you. It has been far too long. How's your wife? How are you? I mean, it's incredible the way you get treated. But again, the food alone would make it worth the trip, even if that weren't the case. The food's unbelievable. The cream of crab soup's the best I've ever had in my entire life. Costas Inn crab cakes, of course, are legendary, shipped all over the world. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard, 
costasin.com or give them a call to make a reservation right now, 410-477-1975. And you never know what kind of events are going on. They bring in live music. They bring in all sorts of stuff. Love me some Costasin. Ryan, this is fun, man. Appreciate you hanging out with me on a Saturday morning. Uh, you got a Twitter that people can give you a follow on? I do. I always appreciate new followers. Uh, it's R underscore Miguet, two T's, number nine. M-C-G-E-T-T, exactly. nine. Just like that. Okay, very good. Give him a follow on there. Follow me at Glenn Clark Radio. Of course, Glenn Clark Radio throughout the week, 10 to noon, and the same locations, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, or listen, pressboxonline.com slash radio. Uh, Booker Corrigan joins us in studio on Monday. We'll recap this weekend in the NCAA Lacrosse Tournament. I think some of the new Ravens that were just signed might be checking in uh, during the course of this week as well on GCR. We had a great week this week. David Cohn. Of course, uh, uh, John Urschel, the former Raven, who now wrote a book, The Mathematician. Incredible conversation with him. And on Friday, we had Joel Mariel, who's the seven-foot, you know, former number one ranked prospect that just signed with Maryland basketball for this season. Um, that conversation has blown up already because he said that he was going out there to kill everybody. Like he, he meant that tongue in cheek, and he's from Sudan. It's the whole thing. But um, people really love that conversation. If you missed it, you can go into the archives at glennclarkradio.com and check it out there. All right, I think that does it for us. Thanks today to Darren Sutton. Thanks also to David Cohn, as well as to Craig Heist and to Todd Karpovich from PressBox. Ryan's going to cut all that up and make it available for you to listen to that coming up here shortly. Thanks to Ryan. Stan and Craig are back with you next Saturday for the Bat Around. I'm with you on Monday morning. Have a great week. Hey, go Orioles. This has been the Bat Around from the Live Casino Hotel Studio.